Hello, I'm Simon Thompson, Chief Executive of the Chartered Banker Institute and author of Green and Sustainable Finance, Principles and Practice. I spend a lot of my time speaking with policymakers, regulators and banking and finance professionals to try to understand how we can build the capacity, the capabilities, the culture required to align finance with the objectives of the Paris Agreement and broader sustainability goals. Conversations about climate risk and climate finance, green and sustainable finance, nature-based risks and nature-based finance, and, and how our sector can and must play a leading role in the global transition to net zero. You could call these green conversations, if you like. And I've been lucky enough to meet many experts, many interesting and inspiring individuals along the way. And so I decided to record and share some of these green conversations with a wider audience. And in particular, to try and move these conversations on from discussions of global and national commitments and targets from countries and financial institutions to what needs to be done by banking and finance professionals in the front line to put green and sustainable finance principles into practice so that you too can have green conversations with your customers clients and colleagues and hopefully your family and friends too so welcome to episode three of green conversations and welcome to my guest today and trustee of the chartered banker institute elisa moskalin hi hello Hi, Elisa. Thanks so much for, for joining us. And now as we're recording this at the end of January 2022, Elisa is just about to stand down after five years as head of sustainability and ESG at Santander UK, where she led the bank's transformation from seeing this as CSR to a fully strategic approach to responsible and sustainable banking. And that's something we'll be talking about. But before she worked for Santander, she worked for Vodafone in global and local roles in Italy, the UK and Kenya, where she worked with Safaricom, the company which, as many listeners will know, developed M-Pesa, the mobile-based money transfer and banking platform that has greatly improved financial inclusion in Kenya and now in many more countries in Africa and elsewhere too. So, Elisa, given we're recording this podcast at the, the beginning of 2022, what are your main hopes and aspirations for all things green and sustainable sort of in the year, both within banking and more generally? Well, first of all, thank you for having me today. Um, and uh, well, the three wishes uh, that I have for this uh, uh, new year that has just started, uh, I'd say the first one is seeing more banks and more companies appointing chief sustainability officers uh, at Exco. Uh, I, I think that we really need to elevate sustainability and bring it around the table where decisions are made. So yeah, first wish uh, to see more chief sustainability officers around. Uh, and I'd say along with that also uh, sustainability being discussed at boards more. So uh, being really becoming a board level discussion and also seeing it reflected in board compositions and board skills. Um, second wish uh, to move from commitments to action um, after COP26. Um, we have, uh, uh, I think, uh, an important uh, uh, milestone in September. I know that, uh, um, that the signatories of uh, Net Zero and Banking Alliance uh, have to disclose their first uh, decarbonization targets. So really excited and looking forward to seeing these targets and, and uh, you know, moving, as I said, from, from commitments to actions, uh, on, especially on uh, climate change and, and green finance. Uh, and I think that my third wish um, is consistency. 
and uh, I would say consistency on three fronts. Uh, one is consistency on reporting. So uh, I have high hopes that uh, the uh, International Sustainability Standard Board will bring more consistency when it comes to, uh, you know, reporting frameworks. Um, second front is um, consistency through taxonomies. We've seen lots of taxonomies emerging, of course, the EU, but also now so you know, Canada, China and, and the UK as well will work on a taxonomy. So more, more consistency and understanding on what is uh, sustainable and what is not through through taxonomies and i think the third front uh potentially a controversial one is uh, uh more consistency on esg ratings uh, so i find that uh sometimes the methodologies uh are, are a bit of a black box so i'm hoping that in 2022 we'll see more consistency also on esg ratings and overall um you know all on we achieve consistency on all these three fronts i think it will really um, help uh, and benefit uh, market participants on making better decisions. So yeah, there you go. Those are my three wishes for 2022. We'll, we'll, we'll come back this time next year and see which of the wishes have, have come true, I think, or where there's been some progress. Um, but looking at the, the sort of first of your wishes, which was very much around um, making sure sustainability is a core topic in boardrooms, you know, perhaps with a chief sustainability officer uh, being appointed by by banks too, um, you know, as, as, as we've talked about before, you know, in in your work at Santander UK, you know, you've led that integration of sustainability into the organisation's governance and its strategy, its operations, activity, its decision making, you know, at all levels, but also in the in the boardroom too. So, you know, to a large extent, you've made your wish come true within the organisation where you've been working. <laughs> so, so, I mean, how, how have you gone about this and, um, you know, what legacy are you leaving and what advice would you give to um, other sustainability professionals in, in similar positions in, in banks in the UK or internationally? You know, what's really worked for you in taking a bank on that journey from seeing sustainability as part of CSR to something that is a absolutely core part of strategy in the future of, of organizations. Right, wow, uh, what a question, Simon. How many hours do we have? Um, okay, so I'll, I'll try and, and give you the highlights uh, um, of this fantastic journey. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think it's been a journey. I sometimes call it uh, the sustainability tango because one thinks it's linear, but it's really not. And it's a bit of a tango because many times you go five steps forward, three steps back, then suddenly lateral. So I think one needs to embrace that, that aspect of really being a journey. But what it has looked uh, like for us at Santander is, uh, I think, uh, five big milestones or, or enabler, I'd call them. So the first one was creating and building a strategy that uh, was anchored uh, on robust data and insight. So sustainability, ESG, is not an opinion. Um, so the first thing that we did was moving away from opinions to facts. So it's not about, uh, you know, well, start, start with, it's not about uh, uh, volunteering um, or philanthropy, which are absolutely fine, but they are not sustainability. Sustainability is really about how you do business. Um, so it was about um, really looking at materiality, running a robust materiality metrics assessment to identify which, where are, which, which ones are the most material topics for Santander. 
uh, and the ones on which we need to focus on. And of course, you know, for most of the banks, uh, they're the usual suspects, you know, financial inclusions, climate change, um, financial crime, and, and putting those at the heart of our sustainability strategy. Uh, the second big milestone was um, having the right uh, uh, capability in the right place uh, to really embed sustainability. And I would say, uh, along with that, uh, also the adequate resources. So you see, for any strategy, uh, any you know, deliver of any project, you need adequate resources. That is both people and uh, money. So you know, creating a center of excellence at Santander uh, that could guide the business uh, on this sustainability journey was key for us to have the right capability to to really lead this change change in the bank. And and as I mentioned, capability that is not uh, done just through the central team, which was of course essential, but also through enabling colleagues uh, and maybe uh, you know Simon we can talk more about the work that uh, the institute is doing but that's very very important we used a lot uh, also of the resources of the institute to help us enable our colleagues to understand what does sustainability mean and how does it translate in my day-to-day -day job because the reality is that you know sustainability cannot be delivered only by this small center of excellence and small sustainability team if you really want a bank or a company to be sustainable, each and every colleague employee needs to understand how does it translate in their own role. So that was really important in our journey from CSR to sustainability and even more important in our journey to integrating sustainability within our strategy and operations. And then I would say other two points on our journey or milestones that were very important, uh, and you mentioned this was strong governance. So we worked uh, a lot on, on creating the right governance for us. And it's always a balance, right, uh, to, to make sure that the governance works for you as opposed to you working for the governance. And what I mean by that is we got uh, at a certain point, we were at Exco and at board uh, every, every month, and that was far too much. Um, so then we stepped back and, uh, and tried to understand what was the right balance. But I think having these conversations on sustainability at the right level at Exco and board and getting um, you know, senior executives and board members engaged in the right way um, really can drive this agenda, can, uh, can, can really drive it forward and make a big difference. Um, and also ensuring that the board has the right skills uh, and, uh, and understanding so that they ask the right questions is super important because a board that asks the wrong questions on sustainability can really derail uh, a strategy. So, so going through this journey also with our board was very important for us, uh, along with building the, the strong governance and having the right governance in place. And then the, the last but not least uh, milestone uh, or step in our journey was creating the right targets and the right incentives to truly drive sustainability and embed it in the business. And by that, I mean, we, we established targets, of course, a scorecard, uh, but we also integrated it within uh, performance management of our executive team and our colleagues, uh, making sure that they really 
is a part and parcel of how we do business and how we measure success. And we went further by integrating these targets into our remuneration framework, which was very important because ultimately, uh, you know, that, that drives the focus, as you can imagine. And, and look, as I said, it, it's been a tangle with, uh, um, with, you know, step forward, step backs, and you have to embrace that. Um, all the things I've mentioned, as you can imagine, they uh, could take a session uh, and a, a, a podcast by themselves. Um, but I think these, you know, five things, having the strategy that is anchored on the robust data and insight, having adequate resources, right capability in the right place, strong governance and the right targets were really key enablers for us to, to, to go on this journey. Um, you asked a question on legacy. Um, I think that the, the biggest uh, legacy uh, will be uh, capability and awareness. Um, and I think the work that the Institute is doing on this is, is very, very important. Uh, I think that really if we want sustainability to happen, we need to empower people to deliver on it, to understand what it is. And, and I think that there are two aspects of, you know, talking or, or, or almost teaching sustainability. One is the inspirational part of it, uh, which is somehow connecting with those emotions, with this uh, inner motivation, you know, inspiring people to do the right thing. And the second part is the technical skills, which are crucial, absolutely crucial for people to deliver. Um, so, so yeah, so I think that legacy would be, uh, leaving Santander, having built, uh, this capability, leaving a team that is a, an absolutely amazing team of, uh, sustainability experts, but also leaving, uh, a, a, a team of, uh, sustainability ambassadors that are embedded within the business and are doing some excellent work to really drive our sustainability strategy and translate it, uh, translate it into, day-to-day uh, uh, work that they do. Well, that's, that's fascinating. Thank you. And, and um, uh, for other banks sort of listening in, um, of course, what you've, what you've got there is a very concise sort of five-step roadmap um, that, um, you know, you can, it's a bit more difficult than this, I know, but you can lift into your own organizations and try, try and embed that, embed that too, I think. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned, I think the third of your five steps there was, was to, to translating this, making sure that sustainability is translated into the day-to-day um, -day jobs uh, for um, sort of frontline bankers and uh, back office professionals and things too. It's not just something that a central sustainability team does. But what does, what does that mean in practice though? And we, we talk about moving the conversation from the boardroom, from sustainability teams, um, to ensure that relationship managers, risk managers and others are having these kind of the, the right conversations of, of, around sustainability, both within the bank, but perhaps more importantly with, with, with customers, you know, and what are the kind of the right conversations we, we need to be having, do you think? Yeah, no, that's very important because uh, sustainability can be very abstract. And uh, a big lesson learned for me was when I was working in, in Kenya, uh, at Safaricom and uh, um, my uh, former CEO, Bob Collymore, challenged me because I was talking to our colleagues about sustainability and trying to embed it and trying to help them to really uh, translate it for our customers. And he said to me, uh, how do you say this in, in Swahili, which is, you know, or Sheng, which are the, the you know, the languages, uh, one of the, the, the languages spoken uh, on the ground, mostly at, uh, uh, you know, in Kenya. And, 
and suddenly hit me. Yeah, I was talking to myself. Uh, we we're talking to, uh, you know, to, to our own bubble. So then we went on and engaged colleagues uh, um, and, and translated lots of our slides, lots of our materials and collaterals in, in uh, not only not even Swahili, in Sheng, which is this mix of English and, and Swahili. And, um, and it was fantastic. Um, also, we had colleagues uh, from, um, from a contact center to um, design uh, comics strings. <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. But, so what we have, uh, and that taught me a big lesson, which is, first of all, translate it into something that makes sense, not to, uh, you know, the technicians, eliminate a bit of the jargon, but, but talk the, the real talk, talk how, how, you know, people normally speak. Uh, they talk about uh, maybe um, climate change and the environment as opposed to uh, you know, CO2 emissions. Uh, um, the, the other big thing and big enabler that uh, I think for us uh, helped us to, to really make progress at Santander especially uh, was appointing sustainability business partners. And I'm not calling them champions nor ambassadors and that's, uh, and that's really intentional. So I have, you know, I have used the model of ambassadors as champions in my previous lives at Vodafone Santander and, 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 and sorry, Vodafone and, and Sparkham and that worked. Um, worked well, there was, you know, I think that the company was uh, at a certain stage of maturity, but at Santander I felt we needed something more, something more structural, something more embedded. Um, so we looked at other models and uh, we were inspired by uh, what the HR teams have done. Uh, I think that, that HR has been on a similar journey to, to sustainability was something that, you know, you do a bit on the side of the desk 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, and nowadays is a really, you know, it's a profession and they have center of excellence and then they have this role of, of HR business partners, which I think many, uh, you know, people who listen will, will relate. They know what, who they are and what they do. And what we did was to take, lift that model and apply it to sustainability. So we uh, created a team of sustainability business partner. Uh, these are people who work within the business divisions uh, and are experts within uh, that business division, but have also adopted report in line within the sustainability central team and have been trained and upskilled to really under, become a bit of sustainability experts who can then take that expertise within their division and translate it and drive the sustainability strategy within that division. And they are the point of contact and point of reference for uh, that division. So that's how we really embedded. And sorry, I know it's been a bit long, so do, do tell me um, if, if I have to be quicker, but I think this is very important. The other thing we did was uh, to provide training. So we, because uh, you asked me about, you know, how do you embed, but also how do you have the right conversation with the customers, which, you know, it's, it's a step further um, to, to integration, integrating sustainability within uh, the company. It's, it's how do you bring it externally? So, so what we did was to, to enable our colleagues, especially the frontline and especially our colleagues uh, in the commercial banking team to really understand what sustainability means for our customers. So we developed trainings um, and uh, we tailored them uh, to cover specific areas of expertise. And uh, for instance, we had modules covering our primary client segments. So what does sustainability mean for real estate? 
for logistics, for hotels and hospitalities. Um, and, and also, we send colleagues uh, uh, onto deep dive trainings or more specific trainings. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, as you know, Simon, we have a number of our colleagues at Santander um, taking the certificate in gearing and sustainable finance. And I've got some colleagues uh, in my risk division who are taking the certificate in climate risk at the Chartered Banker Institute. So that has really empowered them with the knowledge and also confidence, I'd say, to engage uh, clients and customers on the topic of sustainability. And that has been uh, really important uh, um, for, for them to have the right conversations. Well, I, I certainly agree with that sectoral um, approach because the conversations have to be made relevant to, to customers as well. Um, you know, they don't want bankers coming and um, preaching to them about sustainability. You know, almost going back to the, the, the well, it's a similar point, I think, to the point you were making around um, translating into into Swahili or or, or Shen, um, you know, when you're working in, in Kenya. You know, we need to translate this into maybe not different languages, but the different contexts that our different customers understand. So what does sustainability really mean to my business today? And how is it going to, or how is the transition to net zero going to impact my business through physical and transition risk and opportunities for the, for the, for the future? Um, so I'd yeah. absolutely with that. No, absolutely. Uh, and that was very important. So the tailoring, I think it's, it's very important. I think you have to have a, a broad understanding and that plays to the confidence, I think. Um, but then you do need to deep dive. The reality is that our clients will have very specific questions and needs. You know, uh, our, our frontline staff will have to have different conversation if the client works in, in transport or in logistics versus uh, hospitality and leisure. So the tailoring is very important. Uh, there are lots of people who are who are listening to this sort of will I know be, be listening to it because they're probably quite keen to work in sustainability or work in sustainable finance and sustainable roles in, in banking and so on and I'm, I'm sure you get lots of of colleagues and probably sort of friends and, and others too who get in touch and say you know how can I how can I get a job like yours how can I work in a sustainability team in banking you know so what advice would you give to our institute members but to the to others in general who would like to pursue careers in sustainability in banking and finance yeah this is very funny simon because you know about a decade ago i would try and explain what i do and and you know people would just go away scratching their heads and thinking i don't i, I yeah i kind of get it and i'm quite sure what she does anyway and now i became a very cool kid and everyone wants to do what i do which is fantastic but at the same time, my, um, I think my ask and suggestion and recommendation is please, please don't just want to become a sustainability professional. That's not what we need. Uh, what we really need is um, people of all sorts of, you know, um, backgrounds and uh, expertise. You know, if you're a risk uh, manager, if you are a mortgage expert, what I think we really need you to do is to learn about sustainability while continuing doing the work that you do. Uh, I think that my job as a sustainability professional, um, sustainability leader would be so much easier if, you know, when I uh, go to my, back to, to my office, I'd talk to, you know, uh, my risk uh, manager and, uh, or uh, uh, risk officer, and uh, they would understand what sustainability is. Uh, my, my life would be uh, absolutely easier, and I think we would really drive the agenda. So, so I think that, yes, we do need 
sustainability professionals uh, like myself who are generalists and understand you know the broader agenda and uh, uh, and how to deliver corporate sustainability so uh, at an organizational level but what we really need especially in banks are people with the technical expertise who also then add the lenses of sustainability onto their job and i'll give you a very real example Simon, if you ask me to design a green mortgage, I'll do a very poor job. I, I'm not a mortgage expert. Yes, I can, you know, tell you a bit the principles of it. What I am good at is to, you know, drive the broader sustainability, build, you know, what we talked about, build the strategy and engage the mortgage team onto the conversation, connect them with the right people in the market. But I'd be very bad at designing a mortgage. So what I need really is my mortgage experts in uh, Santander, in the bank, to um, to give their expertise uh, um, and uh, and use the lenses of sustainability to to really then do their job through sustainability. Do design. They they will do an excellent job at designing a green mortgage. Um, while I, I I want so so that's what we really need. So no matter what is your uh, area of expertise, my recommendation is. Uh, keep that because so that's incredibly valuable and then build on to it, uh, put the sustainability lenses on it, and that will really make a difference. So, because um, Mark Carney has this wonderful phrase he, he uses um, and has sort of brought out, particularly for COP26 around the COP26 private finance strategy, that the objective is that every professional financial decision should take account of of climate change so that very much you know speaks to what you're talking about and uh, uh, the implication is then that every finance professional needs to have at least some knowledge of climate change and I think we would probably both agree it's not just about climate there's many broader aspects of of environmental and social sustainability too but then they're adding that lens to their current job you know we're not talking about trying to replace everybody who works in banking and finance and make everyone sustainability professionals what we're trying to do is ensure that everybody in banking and finance um, can uh, add a sustainability lens to their professional practice and for everyone listening you know of course that's one of the things we're trying to help you with at the institute so uh, we have a, a very wide range of of qualifications, the um, certificate in green and sustainable finance, the certificate in climate risk. And if you visit our Centre for Responsible Banking online, you'll find a very wide range and a, a constantly growing range of CPD resources, including sort of foundations of green and sustainable finance, e-learning, recording of events and webinars, lots of thought leadership, and of course, recordings of podcasts such as this one, which I hope that uh, you're enjoying as much as we're enjoying recording it. Um, but, um, you know, time is almost upon us. So it does come to our last question, I'm afraid, uh, Elisa. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we're recording this, you know, just as you're about to leave Santander for Sustainable Pastures New. So what does the future hold for you now? Yeah, so, I, I mean, it's been an extraordinary journey with Santander. Had really uh, a great time and enjoyed, uh, you know, taking Santander through um through this sustainability journey i think that something there has come so far um and you know i've been reflecting on what's next for me and as you know simon i've been on parental leave and that was a good opportunity for me to stop and reflect on what's what's next uh, and i felt that my team has done such an excellent job while i uh, was away um and that the company had come so far that i started to wonder well you know where can i make a bit more difference than 
what I can do at Santander, where it feels, which it feels that uh, it can do without me. And, um, and I came across the Sage, uh, um, uh, which, uh, you know, is looking for a um, executive vice president for sustainability and embarking on this uh, uh, sustainability journey. So it felt like a, a very uh, nice uh, uh, new challenge. And, uh, and one where I can uh, hopefully take uh, my learnings from, you know, my work down at Vodafone and, and now something there to, uh, to Sage. So yeah, that's uh, what's next for me. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, and, and thank you too for a fascinating green conversation and best wishes from all of us at the Institute for a new role at, uh, at Sage. I think it's an organization that probably many of our, our members uh, will be aware of and will know that you know Sage plays a significant role in helping sort of SMEs in particular around the world sort of uh, um, in sort of reporting and financial reporting. So I think um, helping them align their activities and operations with sustainability and perhaps reporting disclosure and advice for SMEs in that area is a, a really important uh, way forward. And hope, hopefully we'll kick off some green conversations between SMEs and their customers, suppliers, lenders, other business advisors, too, all part of this wider transition to, to net zero that we, we all want to see happen. Um, so to our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our green conversation uh, this morning. If you have, please share your feedback you know, with us um, and via social media. And, you know, please do join in or start your own green conversations with your customers, with your colleagues, with your families, with your friends and in your communities, too. Thank you very much and goodbye.